Our first reading this evening comes from the prophet Joel, second chapter. It's a split reading. We'll read the first two verses and then drop down to verse 12. Consider the word of the Lord. Blow the trumpet in Zion. Sound the alarm on my holy mountain. Let all the inhabitants of the land tremble, for the day of the Lord is coming. It is near. A day of darkness and gloom, a day of clouds and thick darkness, like blackness spread upon the mountains. A great and powerful army comes. Their like has never been from of old, nor will be again after them in ages to come. Yet even now, says the Lord, return to me with all your heart, with fasting, with weeping, and with mourning. Rend your hearts and not your clothing. Return to the Lord your God, for He is gracious and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love, and relents from punishing. Who knows whether He will not turn and relent and leave a blessing behind Him, grain offering and a drink offering for the Lord your God. Blow the trumpet in Zion, sanctify a fast, call a solemn assembly, gather the people, sanctify the congregation. Assemble the aged, gather the children, even infants at the breast. Let the bridegroom leave his room and the bride her canopy. Between the vestibule and the altar, let the priests, the ministers of the Lord weep. Let them say, Spare your people, O Lord, and do not make your heritage a mockery, a byword among the nations. Why should it be said among the peoples, where is their God? Our second reading comes from Paul's second letter to the Corinthians. We entreat you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. For our sake, he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. As we work together with Him, we urge you also not to accept the grace of God in vain. For He says, At an acceptable time I have listened to you, and on a day of salvation I have helped you. See, now is the acceptable time. See, now is the day of salvation. We're putting no obstacle in anyone's way so that no fault may be found with our ministry. 
But as servants of God, we have commended ourselves in every way through great endurance in affliction, hardships, calamities, beatings, imprisonments, riots, labors, sleepless nights, hunger, by purity, knowledge, patience, kindness, holiness of spirit, genuine love, truthful speech, and the power of God with the weapons of righteousness for the right hand and for the left, in honor and dishonor, in ill repute and good repute. We are treated as impostors and yet are true, as unknown and yet we are well known, as dying and see we are alive, as punished and yet not killed, as sorrowful yet always rejoicing, as poor yet making many rich, as having nothing and yet possessing everything. Now we'll read some of Jesus' words out of Matthew chapter 6, which is part of the Sermon on the Mount. Beware of practicing your piety before others in order to be seen by them. For then you have no reward from your Father in heaven. So whenever you give alms, do not sound a trumpet before you as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets so that they may be praised by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward. But when you give alms, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing so that your alms may be done in secret and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. And whenever you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners so that they may be seen by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward. But whenever you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your Father who is, secret, is in secret. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you. And whenever you fast, do not look dismal like the hypocrites, for they disfigure their faces so as to show others they are fasting. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward. But when you fast, put oil on your head and wash your face so that your fasting may be seen not by others, but by your Father who is in secret. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you. 
Do not store up for yourself treasures on earth where moth and rust consume and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust consumes, where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Word of the Lord for the people of the Lord. When y'all came in, hopefully with your bulletin, you got this little blue card. It's a wonderful thing. The reason they call us Methodists, uh, it, was, it was a pejorative term uh, because the, the folks that looked at John Wesley and his group that started out this particular movement in Christianity had a method for doing everything, right? Uh, and these were, the, these were the questions that each person in that group ask of themselves daily. We, in our current tradition and in other sister traditions, we have, uh, we have the walk to Emmaus, Cursilio, encounter with Christ, Kairos, some other things we do. And all of those ministries have a similar thing where when they get together for their reunion group, they gossip about their neighbors. But no, they're supposed to, when they get together for their reunion group, they're supposed to go through the questions, right? And say, you know, when was I closest to Jesus this week? And, and, and those sorts of things. And when did I feel farthest away? Which is a, a modernization, but I would, I, would, uh, I would challenge all of us during Lent, during the 40 days before Easter here, particularly to concentrate on these and just ask yourself, what, what a difference. I mean, I truly believe, I truly believe just the group of people gathered in this room tonight, if we would all really have the vision of God's kingdom for all of us, and went about it and intended to do it with that attitude and, and, and followed what it said here, I think, we'd see a, I think we'd see a change in this community. There are enough of us in here to do it, you know? And I know we'd see a change in this congregation, right? For sure. You know, I, I trust you can all read and you all have them. You know, I just, I just wanted to uh, point out a couple of them. I like the first one there, you know? Am I consciously or unconsciously creating the impression that I am better than I really am? In other words, am I a hypocrite? John Wesley didn't mince any words, did he? So uh, that's pretty good. And then there, am I honest in all my acts and words or do I exaggerate? And then I wonder what would happen if we all really did number 11. Do I pray about the money I spend? Anyway, I challenge us to this. Now, Lent, Lent got started in the early church. In the early church back, uh, it, it really came into vogue, oh, 
about the fourth century. And in those days, if you wanted to be a Christian, you went through discipleship, I guess we'll, we'll apprenticeship we'll use, for, uh, which is a good term for discipleship, for three years. For three years, someone took you under their wing and discipled you. And the last 40 days, the last 40 days of that, you really did serious introspection, fasting, studying the scriptures. And at the end of that, you got baptized. You got baptized. And then you were a Christian. That's the way they did it. Now, sort of like, sort of like the term Methodist being a pejorative term, and we took it on as our name, that's kind of what's happened with Ash Wednesday. In the 8th and 9th centuries, if you were a bad Christian, <laughs> they would mark you with ashes on Ash Wednesday, and you weren't allowed to come back to church until Easter. And if you, if you did proper penance and everything, they'd let you come back. So the first people that were marked with ashes were actually, I guess the, ter the term in some denominations is shunned, so to speak. When people weren't living the, the type of life that was exemplary of Jesus, then the priests would put ashes on them. You know, they probably, they probably put the cross tilted more like that, right? Instead of, <laughs> instead of up and down like we're used to. You know, and they'd and they'd x somebody out, and if they were, if in uh, if they were penitent, they were allowed to rejoin the family of faith. You know, they could return to the church. But you see, that's that's what it's all about. That's why Jesus came down here and died for us. God was trying to get us to return to the kingdom, to paradise, to the garden that had been prepared for us. That's where we're supposed to be. That's where we're supposed to be. We're not supposed to be butting our heads into the wall all the time and coming up with all sorts of other obstacles. There aren't any sick people in heaven. There aren't any poor people in heaven. There aren't any starving people in heaven. There aren't any unhappy people in heaven. God wants us to go back to that. But there's this, this small thing that gets in the way, self-will. Right? So, instead of doing God's will, we want to do our will. And again, that's been the story from the beginning, right? That apple looks pretty good. And doesn't it look like, uh, isn't it pretty shiny? Doesn't even have any wax sprayed on it. And it probably tastes good too, right? God wants us to come home. I want to read one more scripture this evening about God wanting us to go home because I don't think Jesus ever put it any better. It's in Luke chapter 15. Luke chapter 15 talks about lost things. And remember, being lost isn't a matter, isn't about where you're going. It's about where you are. 
Then Jesus said, there was a man who had two sons. The younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the share of the property that will belong to me. So he divided his property between them. A few days later, the younger son gathered all he had and traveled to a distant country. And there he squandered his property in desolate living. When he had spent everything, a severe famine took place throughout that country. And he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to one of the citizens of that country who sent him to the fields to feed the pigs. He would have gladly filled himself with the pods that the pigs were eating, and no one gave him anything. When he came to himself, when he came to himself, he said, how many of my father's hired hands have bread enough to spare. But here I am, dying of hunger. I will get up and go to my father, and I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me like one of your hired hands. So he set out and went to his father. But while he was still far off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion. He ran and put his arms around him and kissed him. Then the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his slaves, quickly bring out a robe, the best one. And put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. And get the fatted calf and kill it. And let us eat and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead. And is alive again. He was lost. And is found. And they begin to celebrate. Now the elder son was in the field. And when he came and approached the house, he heard music and dancing. He called one of the slaves and asked what was going on. He replied, your brother has come and your father has killed a fatted calf because he has got him back safe and sound. Then he became angry and refused to go in. His father came out and began to plead with him. But he answered his father, listen, for all these years I've been working like a slave for you, and I've never disobeyed your command, yet you have never given me even a young goat so that I might celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours came back, who has devoured your property with prostitutes, you kill the fatted calf for him. And then the father said to him, Son, you are always with me. And all that is mine is yours. But we had to celebrate and rejoice because this brother of yours was dead and has come to life. 
He was lost and has been found. See, we're just like that. We're just like that younger brother, right? We've got everything. God's given us everything, as the scripture says, for life and godliness. We'd rather eat pig food. Until we come to our senses. And that's what, that's what Lent is about. It's an opportunity for us to come to our senses and to return to God and His kingdom. To deny ourselves. To die to ourselves. And to our ways that we might live in the kingdom of God. You know, Jesus says there, he says, what? He says, when you do your alms, don't let your left hand know what your right hand's doing. You know, give freely. This passage in Matthew, Jesus is showing us how to come home, how to return to our senses like the prodigal did. How much is enough, right? How much is enough? I think we've all got enough. Most of us have way more than enough. But there are a lot that don't. God wants all of God's children to enjoy the kingdom. And then he says there, when, when you pray... I would challenge all of us to pray more for others in the world. You know, Don't pray so much. I think all of us should refrain, especially during Lent, from praying for ourselves. Pray for others. Pray for others. You know? That's what Jesus did. That's what Jesus did. That's what he taught us to do. And then it talks about fasting. And there are all types of fasts. I just look at it this way. What can you do? What can you put aside? What can you deny yourself about that will make you a better apprentice of Jesus? A better apprentice of Jesus. You know, you think about it. Again, Jesus is the example. He set it all aside. He set it all aside. Everything we see, it tells us in Colossians, was created by him, right? God used Jesus as the uh, mechanism to create what we see around us, you know? He laid it all down, you know? Just like he told Pilate, which we will read here as we approach Resurrection Sunday, just like Jesus told Pilate, said, you know, if I don't wanted to, I could have had bunches of angels come and just wipe out your puny soldiers, right? Jim's translation. But he didn't. He didn't, right? He put his will aside to do God's will. And when we do these things, like Jesus was telling us, and we do that, you know, we, we free ourselves. We free ourselves from the burden of of trying to please other people. That's a heavy burden. 
And we don't have to do it. None of us have to do it at all. So as we enter in to this 40 days before we celebrate the uh, resurrection, I'd ask all of us to examine ourselves, to examine ourselves. And when we look around again, don't look at what's wrong. Find what's right and work with it. Find what God is doing for good in this world and go along with it. Go along with God. See, because self-denial is really just giving up your right to do what you want to do, right? That's what it is. And we give up, when we give up our right to do what we want to do, we can do God's will. If we're doing God's will, it's a piece of cake to love God and love our neighbor, right? It's a simple thing to do. So let's, let's consider that tonight as we continue our worship and as we enter into this, this holy time. Amen.